Have you been given an IBS diagnosis, aka irritable bowel syndrome, or do you struggle with constant bloating, fatigue and gut issues that you can't seem to find the trigger for? If you're nodding your head, then I have just the thing for you. Did you know that one in five people are dealing with constant gut issues? And to be honest, I'm tired of the way we approach these with a medical view in mind without looking for the root causes. To empower and educate women on a larger scale to overcome bloating, fatigue and irregular bowel movements, I've created a six-week online gut solution. It actually is titled The Gut Health Solution and it is a nutrition-based program starting in October for women who are ready to overcome bloating, fatigue and irregular bowel movements. Working with a gut health nutritionist, myself, Sheridan, and in a supportive group of similar like-minded women, you're going to get the confidence you need to remove and introduce foods that are harming your gut to find solutions for your bloating and to start cooking delicious recipes that nourish and heal your body. But spots are limited, so jump to the show notes, my website, SheridanDecker.com, or find me on Instagram, Sheridan underscore functional nutrition, to get on the pre-sale list today. Hello, and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones, and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain, and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Today I have the privilege of speaking to Izzy, I'm going to go with Izzy rather than Isabel, and Eloise, the co-founders of Taboo. Thank you so much for jumping on today, ladies. It's such a pleasure to have you both on here, as I know you're so passionate about empowering and educating women as I am. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. It's our pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for those of you listening, because obviously I've spoken to you guys before, so I know a little bit about Taboo. I know what you do. I know a little bit about your journey. And obviously that's why I asked you to come on to the Empowered Hormone Podcast because I'm like, yes, women who are passionate, who are driven, who want to help other women and support, you know, just empower and educate and get more awareness out there is something that yeah I love so for those listening Izzy can you just start us off and tell us a little bit about your story and how this led you to taboo and maybe also how you met Eloise if you've been friends for life or if this is a new thing yeah why don't you kick us off um, starting from there yeah, absolutely. Um, Eloise and my stories are very entwined from year seven onwards. Um, so I think, yeah, both of our, our personal journeys towards taboo um, heavily involve each other. Um, I guess I personally have been um, very interested in reproductive healthcare for a while now. Um, I wanted to do medicine in year eight, and that was after being inspired by an obstetrician and gynecologist um, who who focused on um, reproductive complications and pregnancy complications um, in developing countries. So I kind of felt a real um, pull in that direction since year eight, and then worked um, worked to try and get into medicine towards the end of my schooling. Um, But yeah, Louise and I met in year seven uh, and 
every single year of our schooling together. Um, we were heavily involved in extracurriculars together, leadership positions together. Um, I think we were quite drawn to each other quite early on and had very similar interests um, and passion, passions and energy to kind of um, lead projects and, um, and get people together towards a similar goal and purpose. Uh, so that, yeah, was very much reflected in most of our years at school. Uh, and then we were very lucky to, um, to be school leaders together in year 11 and 12. Um, and that's where we actually went to a leadership conference um, in, at Bond University. And that's where we were introduced to this concept of a social enterprise model. So this way of doing business um, that, that exists to really benefit a social or environmental cause. Um, so that's, I guess what the social enterprise model is, um, we we were introduced to um, to it by this guy called Daniel Flynn, who has a brand called Thank You, and they invest 100% of their net profits into fighting poverty. Um, and we just fell in love with the concept and started brainstorming different services or products that we engage in every single week or month or day as as regular Australian schoolgirls. Um, and once we got to pads and tampons, that's when we started looking into this space. Um, obviously, the, the market opportunity for pads and tampons, but also the flip side of the social enterprise, which is what people do uh, when they have their period but can't afford the right products or support to deal with it well. Wow. So, Eloise, how old were both of you when you sort of started or when you started looking into this and when you kind of went, oh, this is like this is what we wanted so were you both at university already or was this earlier than that that you went hey this is where we want to go yeah so Izzy and I were maybe 13 when we met um and it wasn't until our final year of school um we were we would lead us together at school and in that summer break before our final year of high school that's when we attended the conference and um we were very I guess, energetic people who were um, hooked on everything that we were fed in terms of information, especially when it comes to how you can make a difference for other people. And with um, all of our basic needs met, we had the kind of position where we could brainstorm and take some risks in how we can, you know, use our privilege for the better of other people and um, I guess improve the world we live in. And it was during year 12 where we sat really on taboo kind of percolating how it might look and what we would sell and what we would do and really understanding the cause and the issue as well. So we spent a lot of that time looking into what uh, period poverty looks like. And I guess it wasn't really a term then, period poverty, but it was definitely an experience that we were just growing in passion for. And by the time we finished year, year 12, we were still thinking about the idea about 12 months on. And that's always a good sign when you, when you have those high school moments of, oh, I'm going to do this and that with my best friend. Often those ideas maybe last for a month and this one lasted for 12 months. So we thought, well, what have we got to lose? We'll at least give it a shot. So we, we spent that, that year really kind of setting the foundations and mostly reaching out to other people who could give us advice or lead us in the right direction or even say that that's a stupid idea you might want to do it this way and <laughs> all the rest and we were very quick to recognize um there were there was a lot we could learn and um I guess that's what led me to uh study business and international relations uh because I really find it 
it's so powerful that we can use consumer markets and I guess, you know, the power of the people to make it make a difference. And I guess that's how, um, yeah, my, my study has has come into to what I guess the gap of knowledge that we, we had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple like amazing things in what you said. For starters, this idea, you know, start developing when you're in your 12s, so although you're then like 17-ish, somewhere around there. So you're still what I would call young you know like you and you're developing yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly in developing these ideas and you're going hey actually this you're looking at the bigger picture like there's there's so much more to address rather than your day-to-day stuff but also like I'm assuming you'd probably both been menstruating for a few years by then as well so you knew the importance of having access to you know sanitary items and things to support you going through your period and like you said the term period poverty is like even even now I you know I start to hear it a little bit more and more but can you know can you unpack that for me and for the listeners um Eloise and go okay well this is this is actually what it is how would you determine what period poverty is yeah it's um it's funny there's a lot of aspects but basically period poverty is the experience of someone who is not able to access affordable menstrual health products um, and also the right education to manage their menstruation. Often people might have access to products and not know how to use them or really not understand what their body's going through. And that is considered, I guess, uh, a piece of of poverty. Uh, Often, obviously, it affects people who are experiencing poverty in general, but it also... it affects people who might not be able to access the right education or information about their menstrual well-being and therefore don't ask their you know for example if a young person doesn't know what is happening and they're really ashamed of the experience they might might not then ask their teacher or their their family for product because they don't know that that's a normal thing or something they can ask for even if it's something their family might be in a position where they can supply that product to that that young person that is still I guess considered period poverty yeah yeah for sure so is this and Izzy might be able to jump in here as well is this something that you know and uh, forgive my ignorance here but are we talking just um third world countries here are we talking Australia as well or how does this look across the board and where you know where are you looking to make the most impact Mm, that's a really good question. Um, so you mentioned before the the fact that we were just we were in high school and when we when we um, stumbled across this idea of taboo, and I think that's a really important point because we were graduating high school um, and only really uh, then did we grasp how important a um, a an education is, and we were considering how lucky we were, and we were also discovering that around. The world in developing countries specifically 30 percent of girls um, drop out of school as soon as they get their period uh, so that's kind of the statistic that we couldn't get out of our heads um, at that point particularly after having just graduated high school and i think we were we reflected on the fact that well an average period uh, first um, age of the first period is probably anywhere between 10 and 14. Um, imagine having your education um, 
cut short, short at that point. Uh, it has devastating effects in terms of employability, in terms of um, an individual's ability to be financially independent. Uh, and then of course that feeds um, so heavily into the poverty cycle and the further gender inequality, because this is um, an experience that is uh, ex experienced by a, a particular population of people. Um, so, we're very passionate about that. And that is certainly on a global sort of perspective. Um, that is a statistic that comes um, from developing countries, but it wasn't um, long before we discovered that period poverty is certainly uh, prevalent in Australia too. We are from South Australia and recently our Commissioner for Children and Young People uh, just uh, tabled a report called Menstruation Matters. Um, and that report is uh, extremely informative. If anyone would like to read it, it's available online. Um, and it's based off of, um, uh, off of surveys and one-on-one -on -one consultations that this woman, Helen Connolly, has uh, done with countless school students around South Australia. Um, and South Australia is a state in a developed country, Australia. Um, and it's a really good snapshot of how uh, period poverty manifests in a place like South Australia or a developed um, state or city. And what she found is that, um, yes, there are people, uh, there, there are young students missing out on school because of their period, whether that be because they can't access or afford uh, the right period products, or whether that be because the topic itself is so drenched in shame and stigma um, that when they get their period, uh, they're not able, that they don't feel comfortable enough to reach out for the supports that they need. Um, so she touches on obviously period poverty, but also the more like the the intricacies of it, such as uniform policy um, and all of the infrastructure and policies and structures that we have in place um, that are so normal day to day that don't actually really facilitate a, a someone menstruating every single month. And so she questions a lot of those um, structures that are in place and yeah, really highlights that it's certainly an issue that Australia is not immune to. Yeah. See, like what gets me is I hear that kind of information and I think, shivers, like if that's the stigma around it already and that's just for menstruation and there's these high percentage of, you know, or not going to school or not getting access to products and stuff, then, and I think about the women I see every day who are menstruating but have got major problems with their menstruation and the issues that come around menstruation in itself, which goes beyond even access to products that we can't even get mm. some of those fundamental, I'm thinking like bottom period stuff, like or bottom of the pyramid, like, yes, okay, we need, we need access to, um, let's just say your tampons or whatever, but then next chain up, what about the pain that comes with it? Or what about the heavy clots? Or what about the loss of iron? Or what about the bleeding? Like we're just, there's so many things that my brain just mm. goes in, like it, we're struggling so hard at this bottom level, you know, globally or worldwide or whatever it is as well. How are we ever going to get to the top of that and go, hey, and as on top of all this information about sanitary products and what your period's doing and why it's important, then it's like, are you ovulating? When are you ovulating? Do you know what this means? Do you know what this mm -hmm. means for contraception? Do you know what this means mm -hmm. like for your moods and everything else? Like it's such a, uh, oh, I can't even imagine being your position because you'd just be like, there are so many things I want to address right now. <laughs> like, it's like, no, just start with the basics, get the tampons out there. Like, yeah. Oh, I can't. That's even... a really good way of visualizing it. I think that like hierarchy of needs. Yeah, it's so um so obvious, and it's crazy that we're stuck on the bottom. You're so yeah. right. Yeah. We had this chat recently in the office 
it got to like four o'clock and we had spent all day talking about advocacy and all of the, I guess, vocal work that we wanted to contribute to and the policy and everything. And then we realised that we hadn't even packed our online orders and it was, you know, reaching the end of the day. We thought, oh my gosh, we, are we a retail business? Do we actually sell pads and tampons? Is that, you know, the definition of taboo? Not quite, but it's it's definitely, I guess, that medium ground of where everyone can contribute you know we, we we need things to manage our periods and that's a basic human right so we can you know start there even though even though we don't have that accessible that is the best place to start because you know consumers invest uh everyone who bleeds requires them we we can start there yeah. and then and then yeah. you know change the language and and grow yeah that communication from I guess the product which is a, a great excuse really for us to bang on about periods and just like oh well yeah. we sell them so now we've got this platform to to do that yeah so Eloise who's behind Taboo and what do you actually do because you talk about that social change and everything so Taboo sells sanitary products Australia wide is that correct yeah so um yeah Izzy and I founded the company a, a few years ago now and we uh, have always designed it so that we sell a range of period products in Australia to really take advantage of the consumer market. In Australia, it's worth about $400 million. So it's not a small opportunity. And the uh, purpose of our sale is so we can eradicate period poverty with the profit that the company generates. So Unfortunately, at this stage, we haven't been in a position where we can give away our profit. We're still growing, uh, which is nothing to be ashamed of. But what we do implement before we are actually contributing any profit is making sure we're very active in eradicating period poverty in other ways. So we've got this system where people can buy our product on behalf of someone else. So we're still receiving the sales, but it's really beautiful in that we can donate those products to groups of people in Australia who require that service period poverty is still prevalent in Australia like we've spoken about which is kind of ridiculous because we're such a wealthy country but it's still prevalent so thankfully we've got that mechanism to support practically people at risk of period poverty and then of course we've got our kind of arm of advocacy so we spend a lot of time talking about periods normalizing the conversation uh yeah I guess sticking up a hand in every kind of public sphere possible to ensure that the conversation is happening and with that also putting kind of pressure on employers and schools and medical facilities to really ensure they have a menstrual well-being uh, I guess mindset and policy so that the people they care for are supported and that's led to I guess conversations within policy with policy makers and uh, all the rest it's quite a dynamic sphere and obviously because we, we all depend on periods in one way or another. So I guess it's surprising, but completely unsurprising that periods do and our work has trickled into really every industry and, uh, and a lot of opportunities. Yeah. So am mm, I just, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, am I just blind or I just haven't seen your products on the shelves? Or... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, probably, yeah, like, good to mention. Great point. <laughs> no, uh, we sell our product online and that's okay. been going for a year. We've got a subscription service. So you pick which, what product you'd like every month that gets sent to your door. And then we've also got uh, two big stockists in South Australia. We've got National Pharmacies and, uh, and On The Run, which is a convenience store. 
We've got 144 stores stocking our products in SA and then hopefully soon we can announce there'll be quite a few more and um, we're really keen to grow physically in, you know, bricks and mortar stores nationally as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Were you going to jump in with something there, Izzy? Yeah, I was going to just follow on from um, Eloise's point about uh, taboo um, being so... Uh, relevant in so many different industries and um, spheres that we weren't really expecting. We we totally started to be thinking we were just going to be selling a brand of pads and tampons uh, to to, to um, be able to contribute financially to various projects. Uh, but now we've discovered that there's also just so much need for educational resources around menstruation um, and all the associated topics that go with that and I know that you're very well across all of them we actually just launched our podcast called The Flow and I really want to um, flag that because uh, to all the listeners out there Sheridan is featuring in one of our um, episodes in one of our quite early episodes so I think by the time that this episode is released um, you'll be able to go and listen to her as well as hardcore Sheridan fans (laughs) (laughs) on our podcast and um that yeah that's been really fun and we've got um a couple of other really exciting projects lined up in our kind of health and um health and education component of taboo uh which has been really fun and I think like such exciting skills for Eloise and I to develop as well uh we certainly weren't expecting to to be able to wear all these different hats when we started taboo uh, but it's just meant that we can we can develop all these skills and and start this period power conversation in so many different um, circles, which has been really encouraging and exciting. Yeah, I love that it's becoming, I use the term loosely, more of a thing, you know, to see startup companies, one is, you know, smaller businesses like yourself that are growing and have these bigger um, overarching ideas behind you. Like you think about the products, the toilet paper, who gives a crap, you know, similar kind of thing. Like you don't see it. Like I don't walk into Woolies and it's the first toilet paper I see and I'm going to go buy kind of thing. And Taboo's the same. Like I don't walk in and go, oh, yeah, that's the one. That's what I'm going to get. You see all your, you know, your ones that you've seen for years on the shelves or whatever. But as young consumers, I feel like we're starting to become more sustainable, more switch on to where our money's going, our recycling, our clothes, our sustainability, like just across the board and then thinking about that bigger picture. And I feel like COVID's done that to a lot of us as well because we're looking at other countries and we're looking how they're reacting to things or how they're handling things and how Australia handles them in comparison. And we're just, I don't know, I feel like, and I might be wrong here and I hope I'm not, but I feel like our sort of generation is and I'm a little bit older than these guys but you're coming through with these these brilliant ideas and we're pushing for greater change and we're pushing for more things you know because even I came from you know not a wealthy family but a medium sort of Australian family and I went to a Christian school and then to uh you know public high school and then private university and stuff but even then even at that level like these guys yes I really value my education but I wasn't taught a lot about periods or menstruation or you know use of products I had a great mum as well but she kind of did just give me a book and go here you go and I was like oh and and now what without sort of learning so much more about what's going on and that's like that's coming from um a great Australian family and you do think of that mm. that whole period poverty context so the fact that you know young entrepreneurial women like yourself are really pushing this idea is just is just amazing 
Thanks. <laughs> we we feel very lucky to be in this space. It um, it's 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 exciting because there's quite obvious um, momentum and excitement around this topic, which we think it is very deserving of because we love talking about periods. But also, there's still like there's work to do. So that so it's keeping us busy. Why do you think there is stigma around menstruation, though? Because I deal with that daily in you know my line of work, and and women not they're starting to talk about that more and more. But is it does it just come you know back from our historical kind of times of that whole uncleanliness, and in the biblical times it's like the woman's unclean and keep her out the city and those kind of things. Same with certain diseases or whatever. Is it like it's just it's yeah it's it's still not normal and if you you know meet a guy and he hasn't grown up with any sisters the chance he knows anything about menstruation or periods or anything is is quite sort of rare and I know that is slowly sort of shifting between men and women but also that sort of why why is it such a taboo topic it's really we tried to prepare it and a presentation about this exactly and we actually couldn't answer why like the 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 seed of where the stigma really started is unknown but I guess like anything that's stigmatized when you're when you when you're a child you're absorbing everything that is perceived to be right and wrong and you know good and bad and generationally it's that the the experience of menstruation like you said has been considered to be so dirty and so avoidable and you get your first period and often you're just handed some product and then told to hush hush and move on and that's about the extent of information there's definitely no kind of celebration at least in the Australian culture that we've experienced and that's an also a really important point to add is that it is so diverse throughout cultures and quite a few cultures really celebrate the experience of menstruation. And I've certainly learned and appreciated that about a lot of um, cultural practices on menstruation. Um, but I guess in, in, a, in a Western Australian kind of context, yeah, it re I think it really does like everything come down to education and you know how we are actually introduced to the experience and even the media and you know how periods are perceived uh, through advertising with the, the blue water, you know, how confusing is that for a young person? Like, my period's red. Is, is, it, meant, is it meant to be blue? It's, oh, no. If it's not meant to be on the screen, I'm not meant to, you know, think about it or look into it or, you know, have it be seen by anyone else. There's a lot of, I guess, social hints that we've absorbed and have not really challenged, I think, for quite a long time. Another question, and this is going to be a biggie because it's something that I go with all the need out there. How do you two pick where to start with the profits and helping out? And, and you know, when obviously, like you said, you haven't been able to, you know, you're at grassroots stages, of course, but there's when there's you look across the board and go, oh, there's my community in South Australia, there's Australia wide, there's the world, there's the globe. Like, where where does one start? And I don't know who wants to jump in here on this. So, go for Yeah, well, um, when we started Taboo, we had that clear model in mind, uh, being that 100% of our net profits would go to a charity partner. And that charity partner would be working in a, a developing country. So we started doing um, 
some research ourselves uh, just on Google, but then also uh, we went to India and Kenya in 2018. Um, and we went to go um, with the purpose being to shadow different organizations that were doing work in this area. So we could see what was working, what wasn't, what was efficient, effective, sustainable. Um, and we learned a lot in that process. But we also just wanted to see um, the, the reality of period poverty, um, whether what we had read online was, was accurate um, and a, a good representation of what period poverty, um, how it affects different people around the world. Um, and we, we did notice that there are differences in India and in Kenya around how menstruation is perceived and then approached and then dealt with. Um, obviously, there's huge, huge issues with a lack of affordability um, and other communities have a lack of um, like access because they're far away from shops or um, distribution centers. And then um, the common theme, though, is very much uh, stigma. So um, the fact that it's not talked about and so solutions aren't put in place to make sure people are accessing or afford, uh, able to afford products. But um, when we, 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 so we went on our trip and then we came back and we actually circled back to the first um, charity that we considered um, in the very early days, which is a charity called One Girl. And One Girl works in Sierra Leone and Uganda. Uh, and they have, but they work from Melbourne. So they're an Australian DGR uh, status charity. Um, and we loved their work so much because they didn't look at menstruation um, as its own issue. Uh, they looked at all of the barriers that stop girls from going to school in these communities in Sierra Leone and Uganda. Um, and also the barriers that stop women from um, firstly getting work, getting employment and then staying employed. Um, and one of those barriers is of course periods, um, but that's amongst other issues, uh, one being poverty in itself. Um, and so they, they have developed these programs to specifically target all of these issues, uh, but in ways that kind of, that they all work together to keep, this, keep a girl in school and to keep a woman employed. And their, um, their program surrounding menstruation, it incorporates a microfinance business model. So um, there's money injected directly into the community. There are people employed. Um, they're, they're contributing to the local economy. They're using biodegradable pads uh, because often waste is um, an issue in a lot of these areas. They have a heavy focus on education. They educate the boys and the girls together, which directly addresses the stigma as well. And so all of these projects were just so incredibly well thought out. We loved how holistic they were. We loved how sustainable that they were. And we particularly loved how culturally appropriate they were. Um, the team works so closely alongside um, community members and the projects themselves are, um, I guess, uh, the day-to-day -day management of it is, is all headed up by, by local people, um, which means that the, the young people receiving the education and receiving the benefits um, really trust the people involved as well, which is so important. So that's the, um, the, where our profit is wound up in. That's kind of the partnership that we've, we've wanted to create and very consciously created there. And then Wiz, you could probably speak to the other priorities around advocacy and stigma and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess it's it's quite overwhelming when you think about all the issues in the world. Like you said, Sheridan, you, you think, where do, where do I start? But what we've found really helpful and um, 
it's quite important to do is to outline all of the values that you need to stay true to. And often that acts as a very effective sieve almost in, in terms of who you partner with. Um, we also really recognise that the basis of a lot of the disempowerment of women is when they hit puberty and when they start to become a woman and there's a very practical disadvantage in not being able to access menstrual products like as he said they then stop going to school and that's just such an unfair reality that is is very potent across the globe and we realize that when there are so many papers and and really fruitful research that shows that when a woman is educated the flow and effect of that education is so so fruitful and and really contributes to their, their family's well-being and the community's well-being. So we know that when uh, young women are educated in particular, the flow and effect is so profound. And we knew as well that uh, improved access to menstrual well-being is one way that we can really improve the, the attendance of young people um, who menstruate. So I guess for us, that was the perfect opportunity we thought to make significant flow and change. But specifically addressed to women because we know that equality is is you know very uh it seems impossible in some lights but that's such a practical way that we can start and using as well values such as you know circular circular economy and um the microfinance model and even things like you know where do they where does this organization source their product is it dumped from another wealthy community which might put some disadvantage in the community um, that you're working in, uh, who is delivering these, these education pro programs, to whom, why. I think it's just so important to ask all of the questions that you think are necessary um, to find a really authentic, I guess, partner to, to trust the, the funds with. Yeah, and I mean, thankfully for me and all the women listening or anyone listening really to be go, hey, you know what? These two girls have done the hard work for me. So I don't <laughs> need to go out there and start looking through all the charity or the places to support all this and that because it's overwhelming sometimes. You're like, I want to give, I want to make a difference, but I don't know where to start. And I don't know anymore what companies to trust mm. or who's doing the right mm. thing or who's behind it. Who are the founders? Are they yeah. just trying to make money off me? Is their product sustainable? Where is it going? You know, and then when you actually meet the two of you and you hear your stories and you hear what you're doing and you hear it firsthand you just get so well, I get so like oh I just I want to be a part of it and I want to help make change <laughs> and you, you know you just go wow this is this is amazing this is phenomenal and this is where it starts and I know that so many listening for the same they're like wow like this is this is where I want to put my time because the reality is most of us, you know, between the ages of, like you said, 10 to 14 through to wherever it could be, you know, 35, 40, 45, 50, everyone sort of, you know, hits menopause at different times. But we are buying products on a monthly basis and you, you do, you like, where is that money going? Is it creating change? And who is it feeding down the food line and, and what, products and where yeah where are they coming from and that whole mm. bigger picture stuff so Eloise what products do you guys have on the market and because obviously I know everyone can access them online now um, and hopefully more stores to come mm -hmm. TBA watch this space listen to their <laughs> podcast I'm sure it'll it'll grow but what products do you have um, out there for us 
at the moment we sell certified organic cotton pads and certified organic cotton tampons we're really keen to grow our range soon and hopefully you know we can say that soon might be within you know six or 12 months Um, but for now we're really proud of our product there's a lot of uh, conversations about reusable products which we're really you know excited for those conversations to happen because as consumers we have a responsibility to make good decisions with our money Um, and we need to be really considerate of our environment as well so um, I guess in that light we're really proud that our products are cotton so they they biodegrade and they're you know they're 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 a brilliant alternative to plastic products. So um, I think yourself as a nutritionist would definitely advocate for the, the steering clear of the, the plastic inside of you, especially. Um, yeah, there, there are products. And yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. The um, space in itself is growing. Like how many menstrual cups have we seen come out in the last, I don't know, couple of years, maybe if that, like there's just every sort of companies bring out menstrual cups and then you see period undies and then you see like it is, it's a really growing space in the last couple of years. I feel like, you know, you're both in it at the right time to sort of go, hey, yes, this is a growing space, but let's grow it properly. And we are spending this money. So let's put our money in the right places as well. So Izzy, can you wrap up by telling us besides just buying your products, like Eloise mentioned, what was the other way that women can get involved? Yeah, definitely. And I do want to also note, we've got a range of merchandise as well. And and we've been selling merchandise since the very beginning. And the purpose um, was always to spark conversation. Um, And so we've got t-shirts, we've got caps, we've got some new tote bags as well, um, and stickers. And they have been, um, they have proved very useful in their role of starting conversations. Um, and that's really just so that, that organically you can, you can begin discussing with anyone um, what you're wearing, what you've got stuck on your phone and why, um, which, yeah, we think is, well, for one, it, it's, it's directing people to our brand and our product, which is fantastic in terms of the profit that we can then donate. Uh, but it's also um, addressing the stigma and sparking the conversations. Um, so there's that. Uh, you can also, um, as Eloise mentioned earlier, buy our period products on behalf of someone in Australia who needs it. Um, and that's only $7 a month um, if you just want to donate one packet a, week, uh, a month. Um, so that's a really easy way to get involved. But other than that, um, as I mentioned before, we've got a podcast coming up um, and we we just would love to have um, to grow our community more and more. So if you'd like to, if anyone would like to jump onto Instagram, where Taboo Period Products, Facebook Taboo Period Products um, and our podcast is The Flow. And yeah, that's all about about these important conversations surrounding menstruation, not just uh periods themselves but also things like menopause endometriosis um a whole heap of peripheral kind of topics too um yeah that's that's what I'd say anything else that I missed (laughs) amazing amazing well I'm obviously going to link in all your stuff your Instagram your website your podcast everything into the show notes so if anyone's looking for you they can find you um but otherwise yeah follow these ladies find their podcast because it's going to be great um yeah so for the less than the price of two coffees a month and how many people buy coffees each month you can be you know seven dollars is nothing to us consumers 
consumers. You can, you know, that a month, it just goes by. So yeah, more than happy to get behind that and support that. And just thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, but also sharing what you're doing. And please keep doing what you're doing because the world needs more of you too, for sure. <laughs> you too, Sheridan. <laughs> Awesome. All right. So thank you both so much. And I will be stalking you and following your podcast. (laughs) Yay. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.